Hello, and welcome to the latest edition of Nice Talks, the podcast from the National Institute for Health and Care Excellence. I'm James Baker, a member of the Media Relations team, and your host. In this episode, we will be speaking to some of the experts and care professionals involved in creating NICE's new social care guidance for adults experiencing complex needs, which was published in May 2022. They'll talk about better ways of agencies working together, research that informs practice, while deep diving into the empathy, connection and vulnerabilities experienced by people relying on these services. The guideline covers the planning, delivery and review of social work interventions for adults who have complex needs and recommends ways for social work professionals, other care staff and people with complex needs to work together to make decisions about care and support. Complex needs includes anyone requiring a higher level of support with many aspects of their daily life as a result of illness, disability or broader life circumstances who rely on a range of health and social care services. Our guests are Rebecca Harrington, who chaired the NICE committee which developed the social work guideline, Bryn Lloyd-Evans, an associate professor working in the Division of Psychiatry at UCL, who previously worked as a qualified social worker in community mental health teams, and Ellie, a service user who was a lay member of the NICE Guideline Committee. Thank you all for joining. My first set of questions are for Rebecca. How was the need for the guideline first identified? I understand that the initial need for the guideline was highlighted in the Chief Social Worker's report back in 2019, I think. And it recognised the level of complexity that social workers can deal with across all client groups and across people with many different sorts of social and cultural differences. And it was important to look at this with care and identify where we did have evidence of what made their job most effective and where we could both publicise that evidence by making recommendations about it, but also to recommend further research to assist in what is a a complicated and difficult and very important area of of social care. It really marks the need for a person-centred approach when people are coming from extremely different backgrounds and levels of need. Who was included as part of the guideline committee to ensure you had a broad range of views? The scope of the guideline is quite wide and we needed to make sure that our committee represented a wide range of backgrounds, experience and service users and carers. We took some care over trying to get a wide range of expertise and our committee included people working in advocacy with people with learning disabilities, particularly with people in mental health situations and recognising the legal structures which are important in that area. We had uh, academic input, someone with a background in working with older people and people with physical disabilities. We also tapped into expertise from GP and neurology to give us perspective on working jointly with health. How do you hope the guideline will support social workers? 
working in situations of complex need can be highly stressful for social workers. There are quite individual circumstances. They can be very challenging from both the level of people's needs and the complexity of their social environmental circumstances. The evidence came through that it's important to support social workers to have time to make the relationships which allow for the best outcome for the service users. Sometimes these take quite a bit of time, particularly if a person concerned has difficult experiences before, has negative experience before. There's stigma involved and there are sometimes very complicated and uh, physical circumstances that the social workers have to negotiate. So it was important to encourage the organisations who employ them to give plenty of time for developing the positive relationships which they can with individuals and to provide good training to encourage interagency working where people are working across a number of different health and social care teams or agencies and to enable those situations to be productive by making sure that people understand each other's role and the nature of the work that each other is doing. Interagency working is increasingly helpful and it's good to see health and social care working together for the benefit of the individual on the receiving end, but it's not an easy task. And it requires ongoing discussion, ongoing reviews and analysis of what's been working and building good working relationships across quite a complex picture of health and social care. And my final question for Rebecca is, what difference do you think social workers can make and what do people using social services require from them? Every individual is different and every individual comes to social services with a whole background of experience from their personal life, from how they've been educated, how they've been treated in the communities in which they live. The social worker needs to exercise non-judgmental professional curiosity to find out how those experiences have affected that individual and how it's impairing their ability and their opportunity to engage in a world to the best of their ability and to get the best out of their life, really. That's not to be idealistic about it, but social workers in these circumstances can make real differences to people's experience and professional curiosity is at the heart of that. My next set of questions are for Professor Lloyd Evans. How does the guideline seek to address inequalities in social care provision? That emphasis on individualised care, so not just having a one-size-fits-all solution, but really trying to understand what people want, respecting their choices and and providing care that, that meets them and is respectful is really important. And that's underscored with direction to try and really be professionally curious and actively ask about and try to understand power imbalances about people's needs and wishes for culturally specific support services. We've done our best to try and look at how um, inequalities in in social work may be addressed. What are the main ways in which you hope the guideline will be able to help social workers and those using social work services? And I think we're hopeful that the guideline can help on a number of levels. So first of all, I think it can help individual social workers and managers to guide their practice and to reflect on practice as well. So, for instance, the section with recommendations on risk assessment are a pretty good checklist, I think, for a social worker to use either when planning a risk assessment with a a person they're supporting or when reflecting back on how it went and what they did well and what perhaps they might thought of and do differently another time. I think also our recommendations legitimise certain activities as within the remit of social workers. And I'm kind of excited in particular by the section on reducing social isolation and helping people connect with communities, which is an area of work where I'm very interested in. 
I think the second level in which the guideline can be helpful um, is that we were really mindful all along, not just to make recommendations for individual social workers and guidance about what they should do, but also to make guidance for organisations who employ social workers, recognising that good social work doesn't happen in a vacuum, but requires a sort of structure of support at organisational level as well. So we've got um, recommendations throughout the guideline in the different sections about requirements for training, for access to support and supervision and for written strategies um, from organisations. And I think those are helpful. And perhaps the last way that um, the guideline we help can help social workers is by clarifying social workers' roles for other professions and organisations. So we've got sections about multidisciplinary working within teams, but also these guidelines as a whole, I think, could be helpful for other professional groups um, and people using services to understand what the remit of social workers can be and the sort of things that they might be expected to do. What does the guideline tell us about the current research around social work and what opportunities are there to develop this further in the future? So obviously I think the primary function of a nice guideline is to develop recommendations for practice that are going to be helpful for guiding practice but they also serve to summarise the existing research area in a field and tell us what is known and the gaps in knowledge. And for academic researchers like me, what we don't know is in some ways more exciting than what we, we do know already. So I think the guideline can serve to hold up a mirror reflecting back the state of knowledge about effective social work practice and what should be done. And I think the mirror, it does the reflection it does give back at the moment is that it, we don't know all that we might wish to. So I'd hope that this is the first in several editions of the guideline to come over the coming decades. And each new edition could be richer and more informative than the last one as the evidence base which informs what goes into it um, grows over time. And in this way, the NICE guideline is a real step to helping ensure that adults experiencing complex needs can get the best available care delivered in the most appropriate and acceptable manner, which can help meet people's needs and improve their lives. My final set of questions today are for Ellie. What difference can the guideline make to people with lived experience of social work? One thing that stands out is is the emphasis that we've placed on uh, time to build relationships because uh, to, to, to do good social work, social workers need time to build the relationships um, with us as, as uh, people with complex needs. That's just very important. Uh, like what, one of the aspects is that there needs to be more recognition of people's expectations and, and um, past experiences because a lot of people, a lot of adults with complex needs um, have, have quite extensive experience of, of um, accessing social work and that can affect how they build a relationship with any new social workers that they're involved with. And I think the guideline is very good at recognising that and, and encouraging people to um, um, organisations to make sure that social workers do have the the time. And there's just a, a great emphasis in the guideline on, on respecting people's own knowledge of their needs and their our lived experience. All, all those kind of things will make a difference to people. What role can organisations play in supporting the guideline? Within the guidelines, you know, we make clear that organisations have that responsibility to in, ensure that, that social workers have that space, um, which then enables them to 
deliver better care because if you don't have time to debrief you don't have enough support with supervision um, then it's difficult to reflect on the care you're delivering and thinking about what you can improve what's working well with it with a particular client because these these guidelines are aimed to work for everybody and, and adults with complex needs is, is is a huge group of different people and so it's important to remember that that these guidelines have to be within the context of each individual person's care. How important is multi-agency working for the guideline to succeed? All all the issues around multi-agency working, good communication, all of that will help with consistency to ensure there is a long-term improvement in social work that's delivered to, to people with complex needs. And do you have any final reflections on the difference the guideline can make in social work practice and what you would like its legacy to be? I think overall I feel it's been a very positive experience being involved in the guideline um, and and I do hope it will make a difference to um, people who are living with complex needs. Thank you for listening to this month's edition of Nice Talks. We hope you found it interesting and useful. If you're not already a subscriber, hit the subscribe button now and why not recommend us to your friends and colleagues. You can find us on social media too searching for at nice comms until next time take care